0: Thanks for joining me on Religion and Relationship. I know it's been a little while since I dropped anything for you guys, and I want to apologize for that. Um, it's been a busy couple weeks, as well as I just felt like God was sort of letting a message marinate with me. So I was just kind of just kind of processing through this one and thinking about it a lot, um, as well as I've been busy doing some stuff with, like, my church camp that I normally attend, but with everything going on has had um, a virtual version, so I was attending that. So I've just been been plenty busy and really letting this message sit with me. Um. So before I get into anything, let's jump into prayer. Dear Lord, I just pray that you join me here, God, that you join each of my listeners where they're at, and you just you just make your presence known and that we're able to experience you deeper, God, and that we're able to really dig into your word together and and, and learn about you and, and take our relationships deeper, God. I pray that you open up our hearts so that we may all receive something different from whatever, whatever I say. And um, God, I just ask that as I speak, God, that it be a message from you. And in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going to be talking a little bit about fear today. So when I say fear, I kind of, I kind of imagine that there are two different versions of fear, right? Like when we, we see fear in scripture, I kind of think we see two different versions of fear. So there's fear in that like you're scared of something. And I think there's also a version of fear where it's it's more like reverence and recognition. So for the most part, I'm going to be talking about the scared fear, right? And how that applies and how God wants us to look at that in our lives. So right off the bat, I want to give a definition. Just if you Google definition of fear, this is the first definition that came up. And it is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Obviously, that's going to relate to more of our scared side of fear, right? That's not so much reverence and and recognition. It's more so being scared. And I think in the world, that's usually how fear is used in the scared tense, but I think it takes kind of a or has a different meaning when we apply it with God. When we're looking at it in terms of the Bible and everything, I think it has two different meanings. Um so I think it's interesting because this is not a not a not a not a Bible definition of fear. This is a this is a secular world, right? So the secular world even recognizes that fear is like they recognize fear as an enemy and um that it's an obstacle to overcome but the secular world tends to recognize it as something to overcome with their own willpower whereas for believers when we're talking about fear in the scared tense or or the scared kind of mindset when we're talking about that we don't really believe it's something to overcome, and I'll I'll say it like this: it's not something to overcome on our own, right? So I think when we're looking at the difference between how the secular world and the uh, religious world view it, and when I say religious, again, I'm referring to Christianity, not other beliefs. I'm referring to denominations of christianity the secular world very much believes in pushing your willpower and pushing overcoming obstacles on your own and and just powering through things and um you know the human can accomplish anything when they really set their mind to it including overcoming fear and all all that stuff and all that's good and whatever it's you know it's good to progress in some ways in that, but I think we take a very different approach as believers to fear, whereas for them it's an obstacle to overcome, whereas for us it's more of a trust fall, right? So we kind of have to just trust in God, and that's all it really takes to overcome. So when you're talking about overcoming fear for non-believers, it's not a trust issue, it's it's a willpower issue, but for believers, it's just a matter of if we can trust God how far we trust God how much we really trust him and more so just kind of diving into that when a non-believer overcomes a fear right so maybe they're scared of snakes and and they overcome fear by holding enough snakes or whatever and eventually they are not scared of holding snakes anymore what that is it transfers their focus of fear just to whatever else they're scared of right so it doesn't it doesn't it's not a apply to all like you don't just for the secular world they don't just overcome something that they're scared of and that's it like they have to do one aspect at a time and they're never really never really overcome everything there for us as believers it's more it's more that we trust God enough that it's a one time fix-all. Like once we are able to really trust God and really dive into that, where we don't have fear of, of anything, like or we shouldn't have fear of anything. And and I can't stress enough that I mean that there are different kinds of fear and that we still have fear of God. We still have we still have reverence and understanding of God and acknowledging his power, but we have no need to fear worldly things. Now it has its place in like a survival standpoint. Like I believe that God instilled fear and the scared factor in us with good purpose, right? Because it, without it, we wouldn't be able to survive. We wouldn't have caution and stuff. Something you adapt is to be able to overcome fear in the scared sense and and live without it controlling your life. But still be able to take like caution. You still take caution because you know your life has value to it. But you don't let that control you or dictate what you're doing. So obviously, you're not going to be like fearless and jump off a cliff that you know you shouldn't. But you shouldn't have that fear of dying. You shouldn't have the fear that is the end result. You shouldn't be scared of those kinds of things when you really trust God. You have no reason to be scared of those kinds of things because we serve a God that is so much bigger than all those. So the first verse I'm going to look at is in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a short one, so I'm actually going to read the whole thing. It's a Psalm of David. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And this is where I really like this. is the part I'm going to really focus on. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That has always been one of my all-time favorite pieces of scripture. I don't know. I think the wording it uses is very powerful that even though I walk through the shadow or through the valley of the shadow of death, like it's it's just it paints such a harsh image in my mind and it just really talks about You know, even though he has these immediate threats in front of him, he has no worries of them. He has no fears of them because God is bigger and he knows that God is with him in those dark, low places. So I just wanted to, that one, I'm not going to even, I'm not even going to talk on that scripture as much because I think a lot of it speaks for itself. It's a very powerful scripture. And I just wanted to get it out there because, like I said, it's one of my favorites when it comes to the topic of being fearful. It's one of my favorites in general. So when we're looking at fear, I believe it is, obviously it's a tactic of Satan, right? Satan uses that, that aspect, that human nature to be scared of things. He uses that to his advantage and he kind of feeds off of those things, feeds off those negative emotions and pushes our fear to extent that he can help or he can he can try to control us with those things. And when you look at, I mean, look at any horror movie, right? They pick, point out the most gruesome details and they really try to like play on your mind and get you scared so that that fear will control you. And in the same way, Satan does those things. Like, when we sit back and we look at things from a bigger perspective, we realize, all right, Satan and God have already had their battle, God already came out on top. As believers, we have already won that fight and we already have authority over that and we already have God on our side. Like the 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 already claimed victor is on our side. And so when we look back and we just sit back and we look at like like let like put yourself into a horror movie perspective, right? There's all this like demonic crazy stuff happening around you and you're freaking out. Well, while some things In those movies might be accurate. The one thing they never give enough credit to. Is the power of God. In those moments right. You see like. Pastors and preachers that are just overwhelmed by these demons. And can't stop them and all this stuff. But like in no scenario is Satan. Or his followers. Stronger than God and his followers. So if you just think about that. You just think about the power you really have backing you. Like, even if you're in those scenarios, if those people were to just sit back and be like, man, what am I giving all this fear attention for? Like, why am I letting it control me so much? Because I know that it's just a mind game. Like, they can't do anything. Like, what's the worst case scenario? You die and go to heaven sooner? Like, that's a blessing, not a curse. Come on. Like, heaven is supposed to be our end goal. Like, that's what we're we're working towards. Not that, don't get me wrong, not that works is what gets you to heaven or what gains salvation. That's not the case, but that's what we are living our life for with the end game of heaven, right? So, like, there's nothing really that can be done to us that should really scare us. And I think I think Satan, obviously, I know Satan knows that. He, I know that he knows that he has already lost that fight that he can't really do anything to you other than scare you and so he will try and and even to the most minor fears that you have in your life right the most little things that he can get you to exaggerate in your brain he will take advantage of and you have to shut that down and you have to realize that we are serving a bigger god that fear in the sense of being scared is nothing to compare to the power that we have backing us, right? It's like not a thing that should exist because we already have the victory. So the next scripture I'm going to look at here is 2 Timothy chapter 1. In chapter 1, I'm only going to read one verse here. It's going to be verse 7, and that is, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. In other translations, you will see that we were not given a spirit of fear. Meaning God didn't intend for us to let those things control us. He intended for us to overcome fear and to use that power that he's given us that I talked about in in that prior episode to use that strength and that knowledge to overcome fear and embrace what's going on around us. Embrace the opportunities. When we see the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. And if you haven't read Daniel 3, it's not a long chapter, but the story, I love, love, love the story. You need to check that out. Um, So I'll give kind of a rundown of what that story is looking at. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, they were kind of higher ups, right? They were given some authority in the land. And and Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of the land, had decided to build this massive, massive statue. And the statue, when they would, man, it was like 90 feet tall. It was just massive gold statue. And the intent was for people to worship that statue. So when they would sound their instruments, everyone would have to come out. And go to that statue and bow down and praise that statue and those gods. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told that they would have to bow down and worship, they refused. Nebuchadnezzar made it clear that anyone who refused would be thrown into a furnace and burned alive. So after... After Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were already told that they would be thrown into a furnace and burned alive if they didn't bow down and worship, they refused to do it. Still, and their response to being told to do that, and that they were going to be their response to being told they would be thrown in the fire is that that God can can rescue them, and that even if He chooses not to, they still won't turn their backs to Him. They will still praise Him in their deaths, if that be the case. Well this enraged Nebuchadnezzar and his response to that was to make the furnace seven times hotter than it already was. So he ordered guards to throw more wood and make this fire bigger than it had been and and just to completely obliterate these three these three dudes. And the goal with that was to just prove to everyone that there was no gods greater than his this is where it gets really interesting is so he gathers his strongest guards and has them bound shadrach meshach and abednego and then once they're bound walks them into the furnace and releases them in the furnace the fire was so big that in the process of getting them into the furnace the guards that were walking them burned alive as nebuchadnezzar was watching He began to be confused because he saw four men unbound and walking around in the fire. So not only was it unbound, but he heard no screams. He heard no cries. He he saw no bodies flailing around. None of that. Instead, he saw an extra person in there and was confused because at some point he even asks, like, didn't we put three people in there? So upon seeing this, after a little time goes on and they're still just like walking around in there, he, he has them come back out of the furnace with no binds on them. They come out of the furnace and it says they didn't even smell like smoke. right? The guards who got close burned alive, but these three who were put into the fire came out without even smelling of smoke. In such shock, Nebuchadnezzar turns his focus... And says, this is the one true God. He said, anyone who speaks a word against against God will be torn limb from limb. And on top of that, he promoted three of them. He made them, he gave them more authority in his land. This is one of the most, I mean, there are so many good stories in scripture about about overcoming physical fears. Like, being scared of things. Like, obviously, anyone being thrown into a fire had to have some amount of fear. And it doesn't say in Scripture that they were really scared or whatever. It just says, and they may have been, right? We're humans. That's a normal thing. But regardless of that, they chose to be bold and live in that spirit of power and go forth with worshiping God and praising God and letting Him show up and show His power and show His love and... and obviously they were blessed by that. I think this story is so cool because it points out one of the things that like everyone's scared of being burned, like literally burned. No one wants to be burned. So it it takes something that is a daily, like a normal fear for people to have and shows these three guys having so much trust in God that they just blow that fear out of the water. And here's what's hard for me to wrap my head around is that when people are able to when you hear these stories of martyrs you hear these stories of people dying for their faith you see these examples in scripture where someone is willing to die for their faith and god just kind of shows up and shuts it down and saves that person so how do we see these things yet we live and let the most simple fears control us the fear of just saying something to someone like being like hey listen listen You know, God loves you, like something that simple to a random stranger. You might never even see that person again, but saying something that simple, we let that fear control us. When we have these stories of people that are living their faith out to such extent that they will be burned alive for it, they don't let that fear control them in any aspect. Instead, they go forth with that spirit of power, and they, I don't want to say embrace the challenge, because it's not so much them embracing, like they they allow God to work in those moments. You know what I mean? Like they they open that door and say, just God take over here and shine and and make a difference. Like I'm not gonna back down. So they just open that door for God to work. So how are we all sitting here and not doing the most simple things to further God's kingdom? Like we're sitting here being scared of the littlest things when we really should be living this fearless life just on fire for God. I think when we talk about how Satan uses fear, fear of death, fear of literally anything. I mean, like look at anxiety, for example. Anxiety can be like, I don't want to say fear, but in a way it is it is fear like you can be anxious about anything you can be kind of like fearful about anything um but Satan uses these these fears of anything possible anything that you give him that foothold of and just exploits them right as believers it's like we have these shackles on our feet being fear and we're limited by this fear and we can only do things within a certain range but all the meanwhile, we have the key in our hands. Like, how, how dumb would we look not to reach down and unlock that shackle so that we can move freely again, right? Instead, we choose to leave that shackle on. We let that shackle control us. Now, I think fear is a blessing. Even, even the fear of being scared of things, I think, is a blessing to an extent, right? Because it, it pushes us to recognize how temporary this world is and how much we rely on God. That is until we can fully give him our trust, until we fully trust God and are able to remove that fear. So we're being constantly pushed to recognize that we need God, constantly pushed to recognize that the world is temporary until we get to a point where we can live fearless of those things because we are fully trusting in God. It's almost like there's a cross over there. It's like bumpers on a bowling alley. Like it, it's the fear just kind of pushes you, nudges you back in the right direction until eventually you're a good enough bowler that you can throw it straight down the middle without the bumpers. So it's kind of like there's a, a transition there. So I just I, I can't help but wonder like how many people are out there that are believers but continue to bowl with the bumpers. Because they're fearful and they're letting that fear control them. Like all you have to do is give your all. Recognize the power of God. Recognize your security in heaven. Regardless of if you do things wrong. Everyone does things wrong at some point. Forget that. Like, you're going to screw up. So recognize that regardless of your screw ups. You believe in God. And you are saved for that. I just want people to understand like. They don't have to live in that fear. They don't have to hold on to that and cling to that because it's comfortable or whatever their reasoning is. But that as believers, we can make that cross over that transition and live fearlessly. Which, in and of itself, is such a blessing to feel like not controlled by the things around you and not in that sense. Not living out of fear that this or this might happen but instead of just be able to do things because you're not fearful of the end result because you already know your end result embrace that you already know your end result don't keep letting that deter you don't keep letting fear deter you from anything literally anything like to fully trust god to fully trust that there that he has a plan and that you will work things out regardless of your situation regardless of what you do wrong or right that he can work things out for you and for your good. To fully be able to trust that is to start to live without fear and to stop inhibiting yourself from furthering the kingdom of God, furthering your relationships, furthering... Just honestly, just to, to, to begin to live a happier life. To not have those bounds on you and just live a happier life. Now, I should, I should make sure that I don't end this without talking about the difference between the fears that I mentioned earlier so while you why we want to rely on God and have that trust for God that we live without fear of the things around us, without fear of the world and all of that we have to still remember fear in the other aspect that is reverence and acknowledgement of power in the sense that we still want to revere and recognize God's power we still want to have that that version of fear of God that even though we know where we're going and we know that God's intentions are good to still sit back in awe and understand that like God could just snap and obliterate us and that's all it takes like for me I recognize God's like overwhelming power but that doesn't mean I'm scared. Like, if I saw God, if I was, like, face-to-face see God, I think my first reaction, and I, I, that is such a hard question to answer, but I think my first reaction would probably be to, to fall to my knees and beg forgiveness. My second reaction, I would just want to hug him and cry. Like, I just want to embrace him. And here's the thing, if you're scared of snakes, you're not going to ever want to embrace snakes and hug snakes. Like, that's not a thing. So you can see clear as day where that difference is because I can recognize God's power and and be fearful of his power in the in the in a more like biblical sense, but not scared. So just take take what I've talked about today. Take these stories, look into some of them yourself. I mean, there are some powerful stories. On fear in scripture. But take this going forward. And just think to yourself. Just remember. That the world is temporary. And that heaven is forever. And that as a believer. You have already secured. Your ticket to heaven. Don't let that control you anymore. Don't don't keep putting those bumpers up. And letting worldly fears. Deter you from furthering god's kingdom from furthering your relationship and other people's relationships with god like you can be that difference you can let god use you to be that difference so don't keep putting those bumpers up don't keep living like honestly like a child children and really bad bowlers are the ones who use bumpers so why are we living like children trust in god take those bumpers in your life down And move for and with God. I love you guys. I'll see you next time.